five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kitty Warrior Podcast in partnership with Kitty Care UK. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. My name is Dee Moore and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, chronic illnesses and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. In today's episode, I'm bringing you a kidney warrior story. Now there's always something you can learn from someone's story, something that can bring inspiration and hope. My guest today from Wolverhampton, England, is businessman, barber and gospel bass player Camille McCullough. Camille describes himself as a man of God, husband and father and is passionate about playing the bass guitar. Hi and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior, the podcast. How are you doing today, Camille? Oh, Dee, I'm doing very well, thank you. We're looking forward for this interview. Me too. I'm really excited to be interviewing you today. As everyone knows, I love recording Kidney Warrior stories because, as I've said many times, learning from people's lived experience is so powerful. So I'm really excited to be speaking with you today. So I'm going to kick off with my first question. And my first question is, how did your kidney warrior journey begin and how were you diagnosed? Okay, so it was back in 2002 when I noticed I was feeling a bit, not myself, a bit of headaches, a bit tired, didn't know what it was. And so what happened was I went to see the doctor and the doctor said, you've got the signs of failing kidney. I thought, there's no way. I wouldn't accept it. But yeah, so that's what happened. I went to the doctors and they checked me out. I said, yeah, we're going to start you on a process. But I was in denial. So there's no way I would accept it. But that's where it started from 2002. So you said at that time you wouldn't accept it and you were in denial. Why do you think that was? Because my limited understanding about dialysis was, I thought it was to do with people who drink and eat a lot of junk. And I started to feel guilty thinking at the time I used to eat a lot of chocolates. And okay. I thought... <laughs> I thought it's something to do with the chocolates. And I thought, oh, no, what have I done? And so what happened was when I started to go to the doctors about it, they said, it's nothing to do with drinking because you're not a drinker. Don't smoke. It's not even to do with you eating chocolate. It was just a thing that, unfortunately, for some people, it just happens and they can't give a reason. So I was baffled. I said, well, how come you can't give me a reason why this has happened to me? That's why I said they're wrong. That's why I was in denial based upon what they told me. And I thought, they're wrong. I feel all right now. So I just carried on with my journey, with my life. And that's it really up to this stage, which I'm sure we'll cover as we tell the story. So for a long time, you were feeling fine living your 
normal life. Even though you had this news, you were like, now I'm feeling fine. So I'm going to put that at the back of my mind. So what happened for you to now accept that you had the diagnosis? What happened next? Well, the remarkable thing about it is 2020 last year, when the lockdown first started for coronavirus, leading up to that point, I remember every now and again when I was sleeping, my body would literally shake. My legs would be shaking. I'll have cramps in my legs. I thought, is this due to me working very hard? And then it just dawned on me, I thought, I wonder if it's to do with these kidneys. Because what happened was I should have been going for regular blood tests. And because I wasn't accepting it, I started to go to blood tests at first, then I stopped going. And so what happened was they started to tell me the function of my kidneys were reducing and reducing and reducing and reducing. And so eventually what happened was I thought, okay, Something don't feel right. I have a lot of headaches, feeling very weak. I learned the word fatigued. I was very, very tired. And I had a lot of people booked in to have the haircut. And it was a Saturday, I think the 28th of March, I think it was in 2020. That's where I decided I'm going to phone the hospital and says I need to have another blood test. So we arranged that at the blood test and a few days after, they phoned me with the news I wasn't expecting to hear that, Mr. McCullough, I don't know how you're standing. You should be on dialysis. And wow. as soon as, yeah. And as soon as I said that, my fingers went numb, my legs went numb. And I think I was in shock. That's what happened. And. I don't want to make this story too long, but what happened is I phoned my wife. She picked me up, took me to the hospital. By this stage now, I couldn't walk. I was trying to walk and I was struggling, I was struggling. So she had to find a wheelchair, put me in the wheelchair, bring me to a certain ward. And this senior sister that I spoke to, well, I couldn't even speak. My wife was speaking on my behalf. And I remember just before that, the function, when I saw one of the specialists, they said at the time it was 14%. Then it went down to 7%. So I thought at the worst, to my knowledge, my kingdom function was 7%. So what happened was when we was in this room, by this time, I think the nurse described me as quite, I think it was vacant. You know, I wasn't quite there. and. Talked to my wife and my wife told me that they said, right, they don't know what I'm like for hospital, but I need to have an emergency operation. So everything was happening all at once. I just couldn't believe what was hearing. And at the worst, my wife told me that they said my kidney function went down to 2%. So 2%, I don't know how I was survived. It was just by God's grace, really. 2%. So that's what happened and then was rushed in after a line put in my leg. So all that, then I realised this was reality. Wow, that must have really been a shock to the system. I mean, to go from feeling well to starting to feel unwell and then having that sudden diagnosis of saying you have to be on dialysis. I mean, what was 
going through your mind at that time? Did it now become real to you or were you still in denial? What were you going through at that time? What was going through my mind then, I was thinking I was going to die. I'll be honest with you, I was scared. I was petrified. They said what you've had is is called a crash landing. So it's a lot going to be overwhelming for you at first, but we need to do this to save your life. And that's when I realized now that I was at death's door. So when they put me into that theater and they tried to put a line in my neck and the actual nurse, shall I say, they were struggling. I don't know if I was restless or give them a hard time. I don't know. Because I just couldn't believe what was going on. So because I couldn't put in my leg and I wasn't accepting what was going on, it was hard for me to take it in. They decided, well, we can't do it in your neck. We have to put it in your leg. And they had to talk firmly for me. Because by now, they had to put all kind of painkillers and everything just to try and numb. Because everything, like I said, my fingers, everything had gone. So by this time, I gave up and I said, you know what? Do what you got to do. So they put some local anesthetic painkillers of some sort, proceeded to go into my leg. And, oh, man, that was terrible because when they put the line in my leg and then I had to try and get up, I couldn't walk. And I thought, is this where my life's gone to? Sorry if I sound a bit emotional, but I thought, is this where my life's gone to now where I won't be able to walk again? Just think that the basic thing is going to the bathroom. It was a struggle. I remember back in 2006, I had a back operation and I still have a stick from there. In the end, I had to grab the stick to try and get to the bathroom. And the things that I take for granted going in the bathroom shower, I couldn't even lift my leg up. So I resorted to having wash over the sink. All those things, I was thinking, wow, this is really happening. So what happened was before I could even come, I had to stay in the hospital. I forgot to say that for, I don't know how long for. I had to stay in the hospital. And what happened was, during that time, bear in mind, it was coronavirus, so I couldn't even get no visitors. So that was difficult for me. So even my wife, anything she had to bring for me, she had to go to the entrance of the hospital. And from what she said was, she could only go so far, then hand a bag to the nurses, then they would bring it to me. So all that was really overwhelming. And then they discussed a program where I'd have to be doing dialysis in the hospital. So I stayed there for a while. How long? I can't remember where it was. I know it's three times a week. It was Monday, Wednesday and Fridays from about half seven for four hours. I did that. And as soon as I could get home, I'd come home. But then I couldn't relax because I know I'd have to go back on a Monday. But Bev couldn't relax too much. My wife, that is. She was a tower of strength where... I realized that something like this, you need to have a good network of people around you to support you. So that's what helped me. So she took me to the hospital Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So for me, on a Tuesday, I was that tired after the dialysis. I had no use to nobody. And I'm grateful that it was during the lockdown, like I said. I wouldn't be able to run my business anyway. And a lot of us have to close our businesses. So to me, I looked at it as a godsend. Once I started to answer your question now, accept what was going on. 
I started to reflect and I said, you know what? God knows what he's doing. Then I went back to scriptures and says, God promised he wouldn't give us more than what we can bear. So I said, if I'm going through this, it's going to keep me. And I, I had to resort back to one of my favorite scriptures that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. So from there, I was in the hospital and then the line got blocked. So I was thinking, okay, it's blocked now. In my head, I think that's it. I'm going to go. It's time to leave this earth. All kind of things. I even went as far as putting things on Facebook. I was out of character. I put it on there. Please pray for me, people, because something's going wrong and I don't know if I'm going to be around any long. All those things were going on. And then this is no, we're, we're going to have to do another operation on you. Then this is, we're going to have to try to put the line in your neck because my arms from my veins are no good. They discussed the fiscular, but they could never get my veins. And the fiscular, for those that don't know, is where they put a line in your arm so you can do your dialysis that way. So that's when everything became a reality there. So the line was put into my neck, and that was uncomfortable for me. I lay there, my neck was stiff, and they said, you've got to try and relax. I don't like pain. I don't like the target. I don't like nothing. So they said, they tried to reassure me, said, we're going to have to do this to save your life. Again, they said that. I thought, this is the second time. It's like another near-death experience. So they put the line in my neck, and by this time, I was able to communicate to a few people. There's someone else that's on dialysis, and I remember when one of the specialists said to me, what you need is, if you want counselling, you can, or if there's anyone else that you know that's on dialysis that you feel you can reach out to, they'll be happy to help and support. So that's what I did. I reached out to somebody, another musician, and he told me, a couple others, actually, when they read my post on Facebook, they started to reach to me and say, listen, we're here to support you. We're going through the same journey. And all that lifted a weight off my shoulders. So then I started to go to the hospital. I got into the routine. At first, I couldn't drive for six weeks, so my wife did all the driving. As soon as they said, you can start driving now, I felt a bit more freedom. I went, this is good. So <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> I said, I can go in the car and I can drive. And the fact is, because they took a line at my leg, because that was a traumatizing experience for me when I couldn't walk, I couldn't do nothing. When they put it in my neck now, I felt a lot better. That's when I was able, for the first time in a while, since all this started, was pick up my bass guitar and start practicing. My first daughter to do a little recording and I played one of the songs and, and she recorded it and put it out there. And a couple of people said, that's really good to see you. Um, despite all this, you pick up your instrument and you want to try and encourage other people. That's when I saw, if you like, a light at the end of the tunnel. I said, this is temporary setback. Things are going to get better. And the, the song I played was Praise is Rising and Started to play that one, and it was really good. So, yeah, I hope I'm not saying too much, but what I'm saying now, that's where I accepted what was going on with this journey. And then a line in my neck, the same days, but things were a lot better up to a certain point. 
the specialists, the doctors tried to find my, what they call the dry weight to do with the fluids that you can take in your body. Because I'm supposed to have a litre a day, but I didn't understand it all fully. My wife would make half a flask of tea, which I'd take to the hospital while I was doing my dialysis. And I got into routine when I said, this ain't that bad. And I'm drinking away. The hospital will come bringing you biscuits and tea. I thought it ain't that bad. And what happened? It's like I had too much fluid in me and I didn't know. So I started to get hot and flushes. And I didn't know what to do. Next thing is I, I passed out. And then when I revived, I was sitting up. Then I had to lie me down flat on my back. And when I came around, I noticed there's three of them trying to revive me. And I said, what happened? I said, you passed out. We had to try to get you back. And I thought, oh, what do you mean? It says, what happened was you had too much fluid in you, which the machine couldn't cope. So as a way of protecting me, it made me pass out, which didn't make no sense, so that they could try and get the right balance for whatever liquids are supposed to have inside me. So, yeah, it's a long story. So. From not being able to walk, I was able to start walking again because I had to do a lot of exercise bit by bit, bit by bit, bit by bit. Because by then, remember, my function went to 2%. So I was at death's door. That's what woke me up, realizing this is real. I can't afford to be in denial now. This is happening. You can't change it. So you have to get educated about what's going to happen next. So the next stage was what we first talked about initially was putting a tube in my stomach. But because, like I said, if we backtrack, I was in denial. I stopped going to the hospital for routine blood checks and follow-up. So they discharged me. That was the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. So when they discharged me, I thought I must be okay until all this happened. So because they first talked about putting a line in my stomach, when they showed me this mannequin with this tube sticking out of the stomach, I thought, there's no way I, I can angle this. I thought, no way, no way. Well, look at it. Fast forward now, I've got a tube in my stomach, and it's by God's grace, that's all I can say. So Jonathan said something as well about hope. And when I listened to that recently, I realized something. You have to have a positive outlook because... It's no point me worrying about what I can't control. I thought it was my fault. And all of the specialists reassured me, says, there's nothing I have done wrong. It's not something that is passed down from anyone else. It's just one of those rare occasions where some people, it gets them. So when that was explained to me and I thought, okay, there's nothing I've done wrong, right? This is right. What we're going to have to do now, because I got used to doing my home dialysis by now. It was every day this time where I still have a line in my neck, but they taught me with a different kind of machine how to do the dialysis every day. And that was about three times a day, every day. So again, I said, this must be God, you know, because it's still when we're in lockdown, so it's not affecting work. So I got used to it. Then the next challenge was when they lifted the restrictions, I had discussions from the hospital and said, right, we're going to have to put a plan in action to see how you can best do your dialysis and run your business and see how you get on. 
So what I did is I do my dialysis in the morning, and then I'd go to work, do one or two haircuts. I run my own business as a barber. So what happened was I do one or two haircuts. Then I'd have to plan it to come back home, do my dialysis, and go back to the shop, do another couple of few haircuts, then come home and do the final session. So I did this every day for a while. And some people says, I don't know how you're coping. I says, I've learned to accept and adjust and manage. The key thing is managing once you're given the information. It's an open me saying, I wish this didn't happen to me and thinking of always me. Because if you feel sorry for yourself, that doesn't help with your healing process. So because I made a decision now, this is what I've got to do to stay alive. I'm just going to have to get on with it. So that's explaining all that. And so fast forward, the original plan was to put a line in my stomach. We put a date together. I says, right, we're going to have to get you in now. This is a date where we could consent what data wanted. This time it wasn't what you call it, a emergency. So I could just say, right, I'm comfortable with such and such a date. Put the date down. I went in and we had the operation. And that itself wasn't pleasant for me. <laughs> you know, fully enough, in all that, God's good, you know, he's got a good sense of humor. Because in all that, in the end, I found a sense of humor. I says, this talking, it feels like a cesarean, and I've never had a baby. And they all started <laughs> laughing. <laughs> so the, the doctor laughed. Everybody laughed and says, oh, you have got a sense of humor then. I says, yeah. I just can imagine my wife with the last daughter, what she probably was going through this talking, because I was there with her, the talking and the pulling. and so when they were talking me on pulling, then that's when I realized this is what's got to be done. So they put the tube in and then, yeah, I was lying there on the bed thinking, wow, this is happening. It's happened. But they said, now with this, they gave me a prep talk before and they says, it's going to seem unpleasant now, but trust me, it's going to give you a better quality of life. And boy, they are right. Because now I can choose when I want to do my dialysis. Now, many who know me see me do many of my Facebook walks. I'll do a lot of walking. Because what they said, if you can do your exercise, it's good for your heart. Because the idea is not to get your heart under any stress. So the best thing to do is do nothing strenuous. But for me, I do nice steady walks just to see how you cope. Because... They did mention about your joints and everything that if you're not careful, your joints can corrode and also, and that was scary. But they said, we're going to put you in a course of medication. So there's some medication I take on a daily basis. And for me to stay alive, that's another thing I, I was dead set against was medication and tablets. So just imagine how difficult a, a patient I was to the renal team. I wasn't taking the medication. And this is Mr. McCullough. You need to take your medication. And what it was, what helped me, one of the nurses sat me down and looked me in my face. He says, right. She says, do you love your wife? I says, yes. Do you love your children? She says, yes. Do you love yourself? I says, what kind of question is that? I guess so. He says, right. She said, if you want to be here, long enough to see you, his children 
possibly get married and things like that. All I'd advise you to do in the morning, all you need to do is remember, take this medication. And that's that bit done for the day. Then at night, just take the last bit. If you get into a routine, you'll find once it gets into your system, the medication, it'll help you to gradually look better. And then I started to look at my nails and even my nails. I noticed it's like it looked like they were beginning to fall off, which they weren't, but they were so weak because they said I'm short in calcium. The list went on and list went on. And I said, you know what? I've accepted. I need to just do what I got to do. So I will say this while people are listening. You see, some people may feel because we're Christians that we're not supposed to have any sort of medication and that we should just trust in God. You see, when I use that scripture, I learned that I've got to use it in context. The one that I said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. If you look into the scripture again, the doctors are there, physicians are there to help us to get through these things. Now, if God totally wanted me to be gone, as in pass away, regardless of all the medication and everything else, when it's your time, it's your time. So I saw that it's not my time yet. So I'm, at the same time, you have to use wisdom. So all those listening, what I'm saying now, let's exercise wisdom. The renal team want to do their best to keep us alive as long as possible to give us quality of life. So because I realize that now, I will take the medication. I'm not putting my trust in the medication, but I know it's there to help me. With all that, I'm still trusting in God. So by me taking medication morning at night and doing my best to stick within the fluid restrictions, that's what's keeping me on a day-to-day basis. So now, talking about me looking at that mannequin with that tube sticking out, I'm that live mannequin, if you like, where I'm there looking at this tube, and I thought I need this counselling for, but no, God has prepared my mind that now I can dress myself, do what I need to do, put the dressing on and everything, and follow the instructions carefully not to get any infections. Because what happened was when I was setting up once, my finger caught some of the parts that I shouldn't touch. And I didn't remember what the nurses said. So I'm saying this again. I went to work and my stomach started to feel weird. I thought, I don't know what this is. When I carried on, I felt, no, I don't feel right. When I phoned the hospital, they said, you need to come straight away. So I went to the New Cross Hospital and they said, try and retract the couple of days what you were doing from the morning. And I says, yeah. I says, I know what I did. I touched part of the, the equipment when I was preparing myself for dialysis. They says, what happened was you had an infection. And, and on top of that, when you're draining yourself from your stomach, in, from the machine into the, what they call the excess bag, that should be clear. It was cloudy. And when it's cloudy, that is not a good sign. And any time it's cloudy for people that is not aware, you need to contact the hospital straight away. And if you do touch the catheter or anything, they advise you not to dialyze. Contact them. Even if it's at the night, contact them. 
missed the dialysis and I sorted out in the morning. So I've learned a lot in this process to look after myself. So now, yeah, that's answered your question, I think. <laughs> I totally accepted that this is real. Yeah, yeah. So it really has been a journey in terms of what you've talked about going from not accepting your diagnosis to coming to terms with the diagnosis, learning the best way to take care of yourself. And for those listening, we're talking about peritoneal dialysis and learning how to keep yourself free of infection. It really has been a journey, the impact on your family, the impact on yourself. You really have come a long way from not accepting to now encouraging others. Because as you touched on, I've seen you on Facebook Live talking about your journey. So you really have come so far. So in terms of what you've learned from your experience, what advice would you give to somebody who's just been diagnosed with kidney disease? Okay, so... Very good question, Dee. Right. So what advice would I would give? Okay. My advice would be to listen to your specialist and take their advice seriously. Now, the thing is, with us men, a lot of us don't like going to the doctors full stop, let alone taking advice from the doctors. And we're thinking, if I ever go to hospital, I'll never come out again. And all these things. So my advice is, if anybody's been given the diagnosis that they've got failed kidneys, act straight away by going to the GP and find out what do I need to do to get through this. Don't be in denial. Because once they said that's what it is, that's what it is. And plus, when you've got certain warning signs, as in feeling very tired, and I said, I've learned a word. I've heard it before, but I didn't know how serious this word fatigue really means. When you're struggling to walk up the stairs, which you know you can do without a problem. When you're realizing you're always tired, those are signs you realize, you know what? This could be the early signs of my kidneys failing. Now, for me, what I would say to somebody again, if you find that your ankles or your, you know, part of your ankles are swelling quite a lot, that's another indication of excess fluid. So if that happens, I would just, again, I would say, right, get the advice and says, right, this is what I need to do. I need to follow the GPs and the specialist advice. And what I will say as well on that subject, your diet can help. I realize now that red meat is not good because it stays in the system a lot longer than normal white meat. So there's something else. I'm um, just jumping the gun now about your diet. I just went forward a bit. It's best to cut out red meat where possible. I just stick to white meat, fish. I don't eat chicken now, so just fish. So if anybody's given that diagnosis, that's what I'm going to suggest first thing is follow the advice and look about changing your diet. It's that all can help you. Okay. 
What myths about kidney disease would you like to debunk? What myths? The myth or the idea that some people think with kidneys is that you can't survive on one kidney. So what I will say, I have been to see the specialist about putting me on a transplant list. Now, the myth is, and I learned this just by listening to Jonathan, and I, I thought, you know, he's got a valid point. Some people feel that if I offer up my kidney, I'm cutting my life down by off. And the reality is we can live off one kidney and still have a good quality of life. So all I want to say from that is I think I'm like a lot of people, especially in the ethnic minority group who would never ever consider and think about donor before this dialysis it never even crossed my mind and i think a lot of people it's not their fault it's not our fault it's we just don't think of it so now that i'm a bit more educated not because i'm going to need a kidney this is not why i'm saying this now but what i will say is about awareness now where People that are healthy and feel that there's nothing wrong with them. If they could consider, you know what, I'm healthy now, but suppose something was to happen to me. Is there anything I could do to help somebody that won't jeopardize my life? So I would encourage people that if possible, if you're healthy enough, just consider going to the GP and says, well, if I wanted to be a donor, what are the criteria? Because I'm aware and I understand now that there's so many people, especially while we're talking about dialysis, that could do with a kidney. And if it means, if it meant they could say, right, I want to donate one of my organs, as in the kidney, and still continue living, then I think that could drive away a lot of the myths that you don't need it or it will never happen to me. I'm one that thought this will never happen to me. And look, it's happened to me. And there's other people I've spoken to, they've said a similar thing, that they didn't expect nothing to happen to them. They didn't do nothing wrong. And the myth is sometimes you start going on a guilt trip, thinking something I've done wrong, something I must have done something wrong, I'm being punished. No, we're not being punished. I look at it this way. <laughs> For every negative, turn it into a positive. So. I've turned it around to say this, right? And when we do get the scripture into context again, God's promise he wouldn't put us through more than we can bear. And the fact that I'm going through is because he knows I can angle it. So the myth is, again, to cover that question is don't listen to the negative comments that people will say about if you give away your kidney, you're going to die. You're doing more to help someone else if you can do that. That's it. And just to explain to the listeners, when Camille is mentioning Jonathan, he's referring to the episode featuring Jonathan trailer. So do check out that episode as well. There's a lot there that you've touched on in terms of myths and addressing the misconception that if you donate a kidney, then somehow you're losing half of your function and you won't be able to live a normal life but 
We've interviewed several donors on this podcast who have said they're living their life, very healthy lives. And for the interview with Ricky, he says that he's even healthier now since he's donated a kidney. So yes, it's a real issue that we really do need to debunk, especially within the ethnic minority communities, that you can live a healthy and normal life. So yes, really, really important myths to debunk there. Thank you. You're welcome. So what is the difference between your life now compared to what it was like before? My life now, I think about even what I eat, funnily enough, they really not give us a diet plan to work to. What's different now is that I don't take life for granted. Before, you just feel, yeah, you, you do what you want. Like I said before, I used to eat chocolates a lot. That was a weakness of mine. A lot of chocolates. And now I don't eat chocolates. It's rich in potassium. So now and again, but most of the time now I don't eat chocolate. I probably might have a chocolate biscuit, bourbons and stuff, a little treat, you know, now and again. But I definitely look at things differently. And what I will say, not to scare the listeners, but even while we're having dialysis throughout the night, like everyone else, I'm not guaranteed you're going to see the morning. But even with this process, there's a risk we might not wake up. So every time I finish this dialysis and I see a brand new day, I have to say, thank you, Lord. Let's plan this day. I do what I got to do and I make sure I do my walking as part of the day. And not all the time I'll do a Facebook Live. But things like that, I took for granted. That's why things are different now than before. Definitely different. That's it. Yeah. Do you have a final word of encouragement for the listeners? My final word, which I, I say a lot on my Facebook Live, is surround yourself with positive people. But the key thing I always say is try and have a positive outlook on life. And remember, not because you've been diagnosed with renal failure, that is the end of your life, that your life is going downhill. You can reverse that and say, right, look at it this way that you've been given another chance. I've said this before, I'll say it again. You're given a second chance to maybe do things differently. The people around that you would take for granted. Remember, they won't always be here. You won't always be here. So value people that's close to you as much as possible. What we don't understand in each other, talk about it. And furthermore, because this is for people going on dialysis and it's a complete change of lifestyle. Try and educate your family members so they understand that, okay, if you react a certain way, it's because you get into terms with the change. That's all I can say. It's a change. It's a big change to your lifestyle. And once you accept that, listen, and I can't emphasize enough, Listen to the kidney specialist 
because they're there to help you. They're not there to put you in an early grave. They're there to help you as long as possible. Take their advice. And if you take their advice to the best of your ability, you'll find how good your quality of life will be. Because now they've accepted what they said. I'm taking advice what they're saying. Each time they see me, they say, you are a brand new man. You're not the person that first came that was in denial. You're an encouragement. You're an inspirational person. Nine times after 10, those of us that's going through this journey, if you like, we've gone through the worst part of it. So we know what's gone. So we can help someone else to say, right, this is what you may go through. Don't worry about that. Once you settle in, you get into a routine and it's, it's not as bad. And and I will say that everyone's journey will be different. Some people go through horrific stuff. And then what I thought was bad, I listened to someone else and to me, it was worse. So whatever I go through and I share it to someone else, they might realize, oh, what I went through was worse than them. And so forth. So everybody can help someone else. Iron sharpness, iron. And that's the reality of it. That's what I was saying. Just encourage someone else and be positive. Thank you, Dee. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for sharing such amazing advice and uplifting and encouraging others. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every other Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kidney Warrior, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love.